The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Beauty Vanguard, the podcast that explores the beauty of inclusion and tracks everything that Harry Styles does like a stalker. Or maybe that's just me, but <laughs> half, of, half of the podcast stalks Harry Styles and everything he does. Speaking uh, of, 100%. I heard you saw him in concert last week. I sure did. I sure did. And let me tell you something. I really, really liked Harry Styles before I went to this concert with my daughter. Sure. Um, I left that concert loving Harry Styles. I haven't stopped listening to him. I tried to get go to the pleasing truck on my way out of the forum just so I could be first in line. But then, you know, it was late and I'm a little older, so... I thought, I'll order it online and got home online, pre-order. But let me tell you something about Harry Styles, you know, as a... Please do. As a as a longtime fan, now fanatic, I... <laughs> I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I cried during the concert. Like, what? I'm yeah, not, what I was going to say, what took you over the edge from fan to fanatic so, outside of his new beauty right. brand, which obviously speaks to right, you? Right, right. Um, well, the beauty what, of inclusion. What, yeah. Right, so let right. me tell you what took me from fan to fanatic. Because um, music I was already in, right? Like, okay. So okay. my jam. But okay. I, I learned a lot at my first Harry Styles concert, because it definitely will not be my last, which is... Harry does this thing where he runs around and he reads the signs and he engages with the audience um, posters that people make. And and so, hmm. you know, I was getting this translation from my daughter and, and her best friend during the concert that, you know, because I kept saying, oh, that's so sweet that he runs around and reads it. And they're like, nope, that's his thing. And, you know, people throw different props based on what he's singing, you know, sunflowers or, you know, different types of things that relate to the sun. So it was a real learning experience. Interactive. It was, like Harry, yeah. it was my Harry, Harry Styles grad school. And then at one point, he, this woman held up the sign. Her name was Juliet. Mm. You know, she was probably, yeah. you know, 20s, maybe early 30s. And her sign said, help me come out. And he did this beautiful celebration rainbow boas and all and like we all cheered for Juliet to come out I mean when I say that I was inconsolable and of course I wasn't taking my mask off it's really hard to cry yeah cry in a mask and and everybody around her because you could see it on the jumbotron like just celebrating Juliet and him running around it was like we went to a Juliet parade and it was Magical. It was literally an impromptu parade for Juliet and for her Juliet, journey who to made a poster. Out. And yeah, what I mean, God, I wish that could have happened twenty years ago, ten years. I mean, right? For so many individuals. Right. But wow. 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 And then okay. and then and you could just see her, and she's just like bawling such happy tears, and you, she stood taller. Like it was the most magical moment, and and to hear the eruption of such support of a very diverse crowd at at mm. this concert at the Forum in LA, which is, you know, one of the most magical places to even see a concert. Mm. Um, it was beautiful. And so as if that wasn't enough, like cry, 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 mm. hugging my daughter. I'm so glad you're growing up in a world that's so inclusive and you've got Harry Styles to lead the way. 
Then he's saying Sign of the Times, one of my favorite songs, uh, remake songs that he does. And I don't know if somebody had thrown a giant Black Lives Matter flag on the stage or if it was mm. there prepped for the end of the song, but he picked it up and he put it on like a cape and he danced and ran around. And then once again, it felt like the roof was going to come off the forum. And I, mm. I, I looked around and there were quite a few black and brown people sitting around me and we would make eye contact. And I was like, I mean, just tears, everybody, not just the black and brown people, just tears and wow. tears and, and to hear the eruption and the support and, and how, wow, what an incredible human being that, um, at his age, and I think he's what, 27, that he, right. you know, can move mountains in that way and that he can help to bring people together in that way. And he has an inclusive beauty brand, like I'm sold forever and on Harry Styles. It's, it's effortlessly gender and just in general inclusive. Like Truly I'm looking at the product, inclusive. I'm looking at the marketing and the website and all the press that's been done on it. And, you know, of course, like in beauty, so many things become marketing buzzwords and all of that. And to see him doing something that feels, especially from a celebrity brand, of course, there's like a certain amount of like, on trend marketing, pandering or whatever that comes from celebrity because they can harness anything and sell it. But it feels very authentic to who he is, Who, which of course now, I didn't know that story um, about the show, which I'm obsessed. I'm, I'm a fanatic as well and I wasn't even there. He is really reshaping culture in the likeness mm -hmm. of what the world looks like now and what mm -hmm. the world needs to be like what needs to be reflected back upon us so that's really beautiful and his line seems to to reflect the same way yes it's very pleasing pun intended and um <laughs> that's the name of harry's brand my friend harry um, my, brand. your best friend harry my best friend harry um, um yes and 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 it is pleasing and the brand is pleasing and you know looking online right before the show after or after I got home from the show and saw that, you know, already pre-orders have sold out, everybody, you know, stay tuned. And, and, and for all of our listeners, if you happen to be going to a Harry Styles concert anytime soon, um, Melissa and I would really appreciate a sign that says, Harry, would you please be a guest on the Beauty Vanguard? And, and just be sure to, you know, give him our Instagram at the Beauty right. Vanguard. That's where he right. can reach us. Yeah. We'll be waiting, hopefully, with our pleasing nails um to 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 welcome him as we're that about would be to welcome. super appreciate appreciated on our part if you could just get harry's attention yes if you could, a yeah. national campaign yes um, yes to get him on this podcast all right well you yes. heard, heard it here first and you're going to hear harry here in the future but uh in the meantime we're going to get to our next episode with our next guest who is just as exciting as harry styles we promise Every day, delicious groceries fall through the cracks of our food system because of how they look. Imperfect Foods is turning this around by sourcing quirky but delicious foods and delivering them to you in a way proven to reduce emissions. Imperfect Foods is a grocery delivery service offering an entire line of sustainable groceries that taste delicious and reduce waste. Make a difference in our food system. Embrace the natural imperfections and get your groceries delivered weekly with Imperfect Foods. Once you sign up, you can personalize your weekly grocery order with fresh seasonal produce, pantry staples, and yummy snacks. Plus, your order will arrive on the same day each week. 
I've been obsessed with imperfect foods because it's the perfect way to save time, money, and the environment. You can definitely feel good supporting a more sustainable and local food system. Right now, Imperfect Foods is offering our listeners 20% off your first four orders when you go to imperfectfoods.com and use the promo code BEAUTY. Again, 20% off your first four orders, that's up to an $80 value at imperfectfoods.com. Offer code when you use promo code BEAUTY, imperfectfoods.com and use BEAUTY. And now back to the Beauty Vanguard. Named one of Fast Company's most creative people, Melanie Bender is the founding president of Burst, leading the clean skincare brand in strategy, vision, and growth since inception. Melanie is also the leader of Code Red for Climate, a collective action of more than 200 beauty and wellness brands using the space we occupy to mobilize critical climate solutions. She earned a BS in sustainability accreditation for leadership in energy and environmental design and has applied her impressive knowledge to purpose-driven brands for two decades. We're so excited to have her here to discuss how to make the beauty industry a more sustainable one. Welcome to the Beauty Vanguard, Melanie. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. And I have gratitude for you as well for also the amazing work you're doing to make our our industry into not what it is today, but into what it can be. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're on the we're on the same wavelength. And I, I love it too because you know, quite often beauty gets a bad rap about, you know, being superficial or or sending mixed messages, but you know, it's an amazing, amazing experience right now to live at a time when beauty founders um and executives and financiers are kind of taking the reins to say, you know, and the opportunity to say, here's how we can do better and be better for something yeah. that is truly universal. So I couldn't agree more. I give a lot of credit to our industry for how open they are to criticism and <laughs> kind of looking at how do we do better. And I think as a this emotionally driven industry that I mean, it's got to be one of the most truly intimate kind of decisions that you make, what you put on your skin, your hair and your body. I think it's an incredible place to be able to create that connection and and that impact that ultimately we hope and we believe will also spill over into every single other industry out there. Absolutely. Like let us be the beacons, the, you know, the first movers exactly. to really show, because really everything that you're doing, everything that we're doing over at 13 Loon, you know, better for the planet, you know, more inclusive, can transcend any industry. And that's what's so powerful about beauty. And, you know, speaking of all of that, you know, you've had such an impressive career background building businesses from Who, What, Where and Merit and Versed that we would love to know about your beauty journey. How did you find beauty and how did beauty find you? Yeah. um, And I I always chuckle a little bit when people remark on my amazing background because, you know, I found it, I don't want to say by happenstance, by any means. I have loved fashion and beauty because of their emotional connection from, you know, the time that I was a teenager. But my path here has been anything but conventional and also anything but easy. Um, It's actually the world of sustainability and science and engineering that was my kind of home for for the first part of my life. 
I'm the child of a marine biologist. I grew up in the most remote island chain in the planet, the islands of Hawaii. Um, I, in college, studied aerospace engineering before ultimately graduating with a degree in global environmental science. I did my thesis studying the impact of climate on coral reef ecosystems. And from there went into a career in sustainable development and sustainable design. And, you know, I think it's that connection to humankind and how we interact with the most scarce resource there is this planet there is only one that was my first love and it might seem like an odd thing to from there go into you know the consumer sector but you know ultimately that's where that connection i feel is the strongest because not only are you looking at how we allocate resources and the values and ethos that we create, but you're also connecting those and talking very directly and closely with your community and your consumer around it. And that's, you know, really what I have found and, and loved within fashion and beauty. Um, I made my way into these industries uh, a little bit over a dozen years ago, I'd say, by, <laughs> by the side doors and back windows and, you know, pounding my way in. Because of my unconventional background, it took a lot of tenacity and creative storytelling to figure out where my place in this world was. And, you know, I think I, I also had a very entrepreneurial spirit and love that helped me where the right opportunity for me didn't exist, I was able to create it. In fashion and beauty, I started on the marketing side, joining an agency. And, um, you know, about a year after joining a, an agency, I came together with the founders of that agency to co-found a new firm. My um, incredibly wise 24 years. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was a, a, you know, I am a millennial and I saw what was happening with digital and uh, Facebook and how that was changing my life. and really felt like, okay, like my in can be how do brands make this work for them? How do we create these solutions to these questions that they're asking themselves? And, you know, from there, I've touched basically every side of beauty and fashion. I've been in-house with brands. I've been uh, on the retail side. I've been on the media side with who, what, where. And I just consider myself so fortunate that I let myself follow my curiosity because it's led to an incredible place. And that's one thing that I love to tell, you know, all of the the younger people that I get to chat with, including my team, you know, lean into your curiosity because it's telling you something. It's leading you to that opportunity that everybody mm. else is missing. Mm -hmm. No, that's such a strong message to lean into your cur curiosity. I think so many of us are always sort of, well, society tells us just be on this path, kind of like, the trajectory of school and then college and what you major in. And maybe it's different now, now from when I was in college or, you know, sort of coming up through school, but to be able to be flexible and you studying, you know, sustainability and science in, in school, and then being able to, you know, effortlessly marry beauty and fashion or beauty as it is now with your, um, background in sustainability in an industry that, you know, needs it as much as a lot of un other industries, but certainly needs it. So I think that's incredible. Yeah. And I don't know that it's easier now. I mean, I think young people, yes, like it's, it's such a time of visibility and access, but I think that also really heightens expectations that, you know, mm -hmm. you need to be the next editor in chief or the next founder and CEO. And, you know, I think, what I don't want is to see people thinking one dimensionally or limiting themselves to a path that someone else has carved. Mm -hmm. 
And that's where, you know, I think being able to hear unconventional stories and also just hear how hard it was, you know, to be honest, it wasn't effortless. There were times Mm. that I looked at my experience set and I thought like, where is this going? (laughs) What job do I, I turn this into? And I think that's where you have to trust yourself and you have to be okay in the in-betweens and Mm -hmm. okay with that fear, okay with that risk. And it's only then that you realize what you are capable of and what that can unlock for you. Such good advice. I mean, beyond your background, which is obviously impressive and and, um, and inspiring to not just, you know, go one way, but lean into that curiosity. Your expertise in sustainability is a big reason of why we want to talk to you today, because we keep hearing in, in our respective um, roles within within beauty sustainability. I don't even think you need to work in beauty, obviously, to keep hearing the term sustainability, but from everything I get pitched to brands we, you know, all come across, it's everyone's talking or articles we're reading, everything's about sustainability. Well, I actually asked this question on on a call one day, a couple months ago, like, guys, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to be sustainable in beauty? Like we keep hearing it, you know, obviously from beauty and marketing are, are no strangers to one another. So there's a big chance that things beca- can become greenwashed. It's a, it's a mark, a buzzy yeah. marketing term. So like real bare bones, roll it back for us and our listeners. What does sustainability even mean when we talk about beauty? Like what is the, yeah. how is beauty a big offender when it comes to being an environmental aggressor or climate change? And in what ways or way? Yeah, um, I love that question. And the definition of sustainability and beauty is the same definition as sustainability anywhere. It's really a scientific principle of how we live on this planet. It means that this activity that you're doing, you can do it indefinitely without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their needs period. It is a comprehensive definition. It does not mean that by considering one thing, by making it refillable or Uh, achieving net zero emissions, it is sustainable. It is not a marketing claim. It is a principle. And, you know, I love that you are asking your team that question because I give our industry a lot of credit for, I think, being truly committed and invested to sustainability. But we also have to be honest with ourselves that we are very new to this. We are not experts here. And the reality is that when you haven't taken the time to do the research and do your homework, you propagate misinformation and you push decisions that might not be actually having the impact that you're intending to have. So I think that's absolutely the right question to ask. And, you know, I think it all starts with thinking about where is this impact needed and really aligning that with scientific consensus. Again, if this is sustainability, you're defining it by impact. If you're defining it by what you can go out and say, that's marketing, that's something different. (laughs) So let's be honest with ourselves about how we're thinking about sustainability. I think the other thing that I see as a, a true disconnect and an opportunity within beauty is specifically, what are we considering when we define that? And I'll ask you guys, do you believe that climate change is one of the greatest threats to our society right now? Yes. Yes or then no? Yes. Yes is from both. So I've asked that question to probably 50 beauty founders right now. Um, None of them has said no. Every single one of them has said yes. Yeah. We know this. We are aware that that's good. It means that we're paying attention. And, you know, there's a lot at stake here. The science shows us that if we do not curb warming, 
uh, and make that significant pro progress of 50% reduction in emissions over the next nine years, we're looking at 1.7 billion people worldwide being exposed to water insecurity, 1.3 billion being exposed to extreme heat waves, 1 billion children being extremely at risk due to the impacts of climate change. We're aware of this. And yet when we look at where are we investing our resources and time on sustainability within our industry, it is overwhelmingly to do with landfill waste. And hey, like it's not that that stuff isn't important, it is, unfortunately, there's a lot that's important that we need to take care of, uh, but we need to be aligning our investments with where there is true need and true priority. And, and that we all know is climate change. And I get it that it's hard to figure out how does my little business impact mm -hmm. this thing, but really the only way we get there is by all working together. And the other, mm. the other reason that I, I like to pose that question and have that conversation is it also comes down to who do we consider when we define sustainability? And I think it's incredibly important that that is an equitable and just definition. Mm -hmm. And when we are only listening to consumers that are high access and high income who are saying, hey, it really pisses me off when I see plastic on my beaches, mm -hmm. that is not a full spectrum of humanity. What mm -hmm. we do need to look at is globally, who is being impacted by these issues? And again, overwhelmingly, when we look at climate change, it is on a scale that we have not seen. To me, the best analogy to the human impact of climate change is COVID-19, which we have now been living with for a year and a half. Something like 220 million people have tragically been, um, been impacted by that, and we've had close to 5 million deaths. If you look at the numbers around climate change, that is COVID-19 times 10 and it will last for generations. This is something that touches all of us that we cannot pass on to our children. And let's also be honest, we've known about it for 30 years. We have been passed mm -hmm. this by our parents who, you know, unfortunately did not take action when they could. So it's something that I want us to step into this amazing position that we occupy as beauty. We are a commercial powerhouse in terms of our impact on the economy and jobs. But even more than that, we're an industry of influence. How many millions of people do you speak to through your brand every month? The same goes for all of us. And that is true influence. They listen to us. They love us. And there to me is one more thing that is so special about beauty and it is that we are an industry as hope. As we started out this podcast saying, we do not accept the world as it is. We see the world as we want it to be. And to mm -hmm. me, that is what we need to really address this. We need ambition. We need influence and we need hope. Um, and coming out of all these conversations, coming out of Code Red for Climate, which was a collective action of over 250 beauty brands to use the space that we occupy as an industry to mobilize this critical action. That is what I believe in more than anything in the hope of our industry and the hope of humanity and our desire to work together to accomplish the incredible. And that is why I put these conversations out there and talk about it, because I think it needs to be heard right now. I think we all need to see where is our place in here fit? Where do we have influence? Where do we fit into this solution? That's incredible. There's so much to think about. And, and explain uh, a little bit further what Code Red for 
climate change is. Yeah. You, you, you spearheaded that, right? For the beauty industry. I did. I did. Um, you know, it started out as a text message to one other founder, um, to my good friend, Joe at Use to the People. And I'd been feeling this way for a while that as a beauty industry, frankly, we have been part of the, the problem, um, but we can be part of the solution. And, you know, there's, we're at a really critical moment where, like I said, the ability to avert literally billions of human lives being impacted in a disastrous way, it comes down to changes in the next nine years. And our ability to see that change in the next nine years, in large part, will come down to the next year, to what happens at a governmental and intergovernmental level, because so much of our ability to hit these targets, it's not up to, to you and I. We need to see our uh, our nation, I, our society leaning in. And I think COVID-19 is the very terrifying example of what happens when there isn't that aligned action, I think globally, but also just within the US. We cannot do that to ourselves. We cannot do that to our children. Um, and I believe firmly that we will remember the decisions that we make around climate change because they will haunt us for generations if we make the wrong decisions. You know, there was a point where, uh, you know, I was reading about the, the position that we're in, you know, the, the legislation that's being considered by lawmakers right now. And I didn't know if it was going to work, but I couldn't take it sitting down anymore. It started with one text. I thought maybe we would get 20 brands on board and to, to cross the finish line with 250 is incredible. And we were ourselves speaking to our lawmakers and telling them, hey, it is important that you take these climate actions now. And then we were going to our communities and say, hey, we know that you want to be a part of an equitable and just and healthy and thriving future. This is a time for our voices to be heard. And I think it's all very easy to forget that we do have representation. We do have people, you know, literally sitting in, in the hill on D.C. that are there to represent us. They need to hear from us. And we collectively generated something like, you know, 3 million impressions, 150,000 points of engagement, um, I think close to 1300 touch points with Congress. So letters, um, calls, we've taken meetings with members of Congress, uh, really about them hearing from us that the time is now, there is no passing this forward. That's so inspiring. I mean, Nikao and I talk all the time about you know how beauty is such an as an industry can be such a an example of how to really make change beyond our industry right like we yeah. just had you know our mutual friend Greg Renfrew on from Beauty Counter founder of Beauty Counter and that's another example of how you know she and her team have gone to Capitol Hill and and are trying yeah. to get laws changed passed about personal care products and um, certain ingredients and just to clean up our the ingredient list in, in yeah. the U.S. So it's always just so mind blowing, inspiring, but also you know why not? We we should all be able to do that through this industry. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, you know, another really special thing about our industry is how diverse our brands are, how diverse our voices and our communities mm -hmm. are. And I mm -hmm. think that's really important because, you know, there's the consumer out there that is maybe following the EPA. They're super on top of the new data that's coming out and maybe I'm raising my hand. That's me. But, you know, ultimately, those aren't the people that we need hearing this. You know, we need the people that are concerned with climate change. But 
um, or are concerned with just the impacts in their local communities with more mm -hmm. flooding, with more heat waves, uh, and don't know where they fit into that. And to me, one of the most incredible things coming out of this is, is not just the sheer number of brands, but who the brands represented. Uh, and I think of, then I met you, I think of Briogeo, I think of Woma Beauty, and what it means to have those brands talk about these issues that, you know, I, I would go out and venture that those community members trust those brands, you know, maybe more than they do these government agencies that there's, mm. you know, really good reason not to. And, and that was actually a point that, that Sharon had brought to me, like, as we were working and she was an advisor on the campaign, we were, I was sharing these, this is the messaging that I want to go out with. And me being that good science 101 student, I had, you know, the scientific stats backed by the, the EPA that I wanted to talk about. And she said, well, Melanie, like people in my community, they don't, they don't trust government. They don't listen to, to agencies. And to me, that was, it was simple, but it was so profound. And I think it's truly meaningful what it means when she brings her voice to that. But I think, you know, for someone like me that is also really invested to to leading this and leading it for everyone, it also helped me see where there is a blind spot for me that, you know, as a as a white woman, I took for granted that people listen to these agencies and trust them. So I think the diversity and the the knowingness that we have to the communities that we represent in our industry is a huge strength and it's a huge strength for sustainability and climate change and you know for for so many other things that are important to us to see happen. Absolutely. And it, it's so interesting. I recently sat on a panel um, for Cosmo at Cosmoprof and it was around sustainability and telling our founders stories and I was sitting with you know two great leaders in beauty um, on the panel and 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 one of them had brought up something to the effect of like the company that she's working with and she was such a convicted lover of the planet and um you know was that she wants to see the world you know plastic free by xyz and and you know backed it up with a lot of data and then the person to my right you know only uses refillable packaging and and was very convicted about the reasons why and and I, as a, you know, yes, now a black female beauty retailer, but, you know, originally started out as an independent um, black beauty founder. And I remember even early 2002 going to my contract manufacturers and my bottle suppliers, you know, saying, you know, I want to use, you know, all sustainable, the most sustainable yeah. packaging I can, et cetera, et cetera. And and this, I'm bringing up this whole point to talk about like that the ecosystem and these issues, like the planet is all of ours and that, and I mean all of humanity and, and even industries, you know, and entrepreneurship, like it's, it's all of our cross to bear right to live, et cetera. And, and so much of what I was faced with as a young beauty entrepreneur was having such little access to capital as a black woman. And so the options to, you know, really wanting to be in this industry and do the right thing and source the right way and have the most sustainable packaging, because of that lack of access to capital, it didn't allow me to do it in the way that I wanted to do it in the way that I knew would be better for the planet. And so yeah. when I brought that up on the panel, it was like they both sort of had this aha moment of you know, access to capital is, is a huge privilege, right? We just closed around. I mean, it's a huge privilege because it does allow you to do better, yeah. but, 
But what I did love that kind of came out of that conversation was this industry, any industry, your homes, your neighborhoods, your beaches, what could you be doing to just move the little the needle a little bit more, right? And yeah. so, you know, that kind of brings me to our next question, which is, can you tell us a little bit more about, about Verst and the position that you took? Because I would say that, I mean, it's been so impactful, not only on the industry and for your retailers, but it's, it's, it's really sending a, a very loud and clear message to an audience, potentially a generation that, that truly cares and have inherited yeah. these problems, but gives them the freedom to speak about it, you know, beyond the brand. Well, thank you for, for the kind words and our, our young brand. <laughs> um, at, at Verse, you know, our, our mission is simple. It's to make good skin and clean products for everyone. And um, one of the data points that I'm most proud of is that for 30% of our consumers in over the two and a half years since we've been founded, we're the very first clean beauty purchase that they've made. And for over 50% of them, we are the very first sustainably minded purchase that they've ever made. And, you know, I think by no means did we invent these categories. We just believe that they belong to everybody. And uh, as we were developing the brand, it was very, very clear to see where the consumer is going. I think first with, with clean, I think sustainable is a very natural outcrop to that. But it was such a clear case of, of have and have nots. If you have high income, if you have high access and you're lucky to have a Sephora or a Credo in your city, if you even have you know high access to education, you can figure out the difference between squalene and squalene. What you were using was so, so different than what I what I call kind of the the mass consumer. And we said, all right, like let's go talk to the, let's go talk to them. Let's talk to the mass consumer and and understand why. And you know, I think the the barriers that were keeping people out were real. And some of them are obvious and and clear. Some of them are very nuanced. And you know, I think we're we're only on the the starting block of being able to truly overcome them. Um, but we really believe that when it comes to skin that you feel confident in, to ingredients that you are happy and proud to put on your body, to put on your loved ones, and you know, representing principles that are good for the planet that we are share, that we all share, those are not for the few, those are for the many. And that is where I see our brand existing and really democratizing access to these rights that we hold so dear. And you know, I think on what that means for our industry. And I think one of the things that I, I come across with some frequency is sitting down with other founders of clean brands and, and you know, kind of conversations around the, the circle going, well, clean is table stakes. And my response to that is, well, who's sitting at your table? Because you know, for the majority of consumers out there, it, it's not. And you know, that's certainly the majority of even of even white consumers, but that access is also not equitably distributed. There's great data out there by EWG saying that 75% of products that are marketed towards black women have ingredients of concern. And that's a 38% higher likelihood than products marketed towards white women. So those are the more I can't even say they're nuanced. You just have to look for them mm -hmm. that as an industry, I want us all to be thinking about and aware of because in some cases, it's not about inventing new innovation. It's about thinking about how do you invent ways to bring more people into the innovation that already exists. And that's where I get so, so excited. And, you know, we're, 
we're really off to an incredible start uh, at Verse in terms of how we've grown. We're in now 3,600 stores globally, which is crazy. Um, and 95% of the people that have tried our products would recommend them, which we love. Um, but where I want to see us doing a lot more work is really on that access. How do we bring more people into clean, more people into results-driven skincare, more people into more environmentally accountable products that have just been told for too long that these things aren't for you. The awesome thing I think about clean, which I've become more aware of through the conversations we've had on this podcast, and especially with Nikeo, is that I think it came up when we talked to Nancy from Briogeo, is that there's such a connector in clean. Like when I started covering clean and like writing about Beauty Counter and Versh and things like that, it felt so like, how do we make the clean connection so it feels more accessible, right? Because there was there is a price point barrier or an accessibility yeah. barrier, like geographically, right? But so much of clean, and I know Nikeo started her line this way in 2000, early 2000s, comes from sort of cultural skills and remedies and recipes that have been passed down, right? So many of all the your Kenyan recipes um, from your grandfather are essentially clean. I mean, it's coffee scrubs and aloe vera and sugar scrubs. So I feel like in some ways on a very, from an industry level, there was a minute where we got away from these natural remedies being truly clean, right? And then Put, put it through the industry on a very corporate sort of, you know, level, then it kind of got, you know, dis not disjointed, but separated yeah. on a very kind of simple level. Like there is a real nice connection when you're saying like making clean and sustainable, um, more accessible to everyone. It's nice that as an industry, we're sort of also acknowledging that a lot of these original formulations anyway, or ingredients, yeah. you know, with brands like, well, Nikeo, but also Gold or Folk Beauty, yeah. or a lot of those founders are really taking um, what they've been taught by their, their grandparents or their aunts um, or their ancestors. And then now timing wise, the, cons the general consumer understands what clean means yeah. more than 30 years ago, of course, when that was not, when it was all about yeah. Fillers and I think preservatives. That's, that's, <laughs> it's all that's anybody such wanted. a truth. That's such mm -hmm. a truth. And, you know, the same is true for sustainability that we, mm -hmm. it's, you know, kind of the more recent um, interpretation of it is, you know, a white woman, which I guess I'm <laughs> but I, but also, I didn't, but <laughs> I didn't know you were, you were raised in Hawaii and yeah, I, I don't want to assume, but it is so part of the Hawaiian culture Absolutely. to honor the earth and the, and yeah. the water and, and the natural yeah. resources, the soil. Again, I don't want to assume that's how you grow, but it's like, I'm, I'm also assuming You're that that was really right. like a big part it, yeah. of your upbringing and, and it was a big sustainability. Part. Yeah. It was a big part. And in Hawaii, it's, I think any Island nation, you know, you're so aware of how finite these resources we have. And we learn so much from looking and listening and honoring those indigenous practices. I mean, in the islands of Hawaii, they had an incredibly complex land management system that supported almost a million people <laughs> and did it sustainably. Um, and they're by no means are they the only example of that. And 
you know, I think it's certainly true for the real foundation of, of natural and clean in beauty. And I think it's something that we all need to, we all need to create that space for. And, you know, so much of the solutions that we're seeking, they already exist. And, you know, I think that's where I'm still learning. And I am grateful to be, um, you know, part of these conversations as well. And I thank you for having me here to share, but I also thank you for having me here to listen. Right. No, I'm, I'm, I didn't even like kind of make that connection, you know, sort of bring it back there when, until we started talking in, in these actual episode recording sessions of like, oh, wait, <laughs> yeah. coffee scrub, all of that. And it's a really beautiful sort of, you know, 360 and, and connection of, you know, how clean can also, you know, especially now, again, that the term is a little, is much more ubiquitous and it's not as hard of a, a sell like marketing wise or consumer education wise to also step back and honor ingredients and the origins of where some of the foundations of clean have come from. Um, and I think that you guys are obviously doing that and, and you're personally, you're, you're so aware of what clean and sustainability means to everyone, not just, you know, someone who shops at this one place or at this socioeconomic level, um, which is so key in all areas of beauty, but especially when it comes to personal safety. Yeah. And, and our planet. I mean, everyone should be able to participate. Everyone should be participating in that or at least have the opportunity to participate in it, not because they can or cannot have access to it. So, yeah. And, and being a part of the solution, I think, uh, especially when it comes to sustainability, it's not just about, you know, inviting people to the table. It's also, you know, they have the solutions. They know what the right answers are for their community. And that's, you know, I think we think a lot about um, how do we reduce emissions and impact, which we should, but mitigation is also really critical. The, the fact that um, Black Americans are 40% more likely to live in the areas of the uh, of the U.S. that will be exposed to extreme heat due to temperature increases. Mm. You know, I think those are also the things that we need to be really taking into account and, and taking into action. That um, the people that have contributed the least to this crisis that we're in are the ones that will be impacted the most. Mm. And that means not just setting aside funding. I mean, the funding isn't a very important part of it, um, but they should also have control over, you know, how do we distribute these fund this funding and solutions equitably. So I think it's a very important truth that has many important implications for where we go from here. I've gotten chills no less than 700 times since talking to you. I'm like, oh my God. Well, I'm geeking <laughs> out with you guys. <laughs> it's so, it's like, it's so incredibly important, but to actually start to break it down with your expertise you know, in the mix. I'm like, oh my God, it's a lot more dire than I, it's touching so many more places than I honestly thought than it 45 minutes ago. And honestly, I think it's really important to know what your why is. And and my daughter is a big part of that. And, you know, I, I know that there's going to be a time maybe 20 years from now where far too many people will have died. Far too many species are extinct. And she's going to say, hey, mom, what did you do to stop this? And a big driver for me is at that moment, I'm going to say, honey, I did everything I could. And that's all we can do. But really, we have 
so much more power than we give our, ourselves credit for. And I think in these instances where we're staring down something that seems insurmountable, when we're, you know, there are these incredibly huge problems to solve. I mean, the big problems are the most important. And when we lose hope, we give up our power. And that is where, you know, in talking with my team and talking to awesome founders and leaders like you guys, to me, it always needs to be a, a message of hope because we have to keep going. There is so much to fight for. And you're right. It's a big job. The need is great, but so are we. Yeah, absolutely. And it's absolutely free to vote. And, you know, we speak a lot right? about, you know, <laughs> voting for, for lawmakers, yeah. both locally and at the federal level. Um, you know, I speak about it from the lens of, you know, inclusivity and and equity, racial equity. But at the yeah. same time, while that may be what I speak about often, I also will look at candidates from both sides of the aisle, to, yeah. regardless of what my political party association is. And I will look to people who prioritize the climate and, and the planet. And absolutely because you know, it really does have to start at the top, you know, and mm -hmm. you yeah. know, we've lived, you know, through periods of time that are so divisive that we've actually had lawmakers who have been elected into office that have said there's no such thing as climate change. So it makes that hurdle, it's ridiculous, that makes the hurdle <laughs> that much bigger, right? And it does make it feel yeah. more overwhelming. But, but what I do love is any opportunity that we get to take our power back and and so much of our power comes within voting and, and voting for people yeah. who are about yeah. keeping us safe, racial equity, but you know, we can do nothing without yeah. planet. Voting is free, calling your representatives are free, asking five friends to call their representatives is free. Um, if you if you are someone that's in a position of privilege and you have money to give, um, there are two organizations that are doing a tremendous job with climate justice. Um, we Act for Environmental Justice is a, a black founded organization based in New York that does incredible things on a local and a national level. Uh, Power Shift Network is another black founded organization that uplifts uh, young voices of color that are part of the driving the solutions to, to climate change that I keep, we keep saying like, you know, this younger generation that's really going to inherit a, a world that might not look a lot like the one that we've known. Um, so mm -hmm. those are two organizations that if anyone does have the, the feel called to support our incredibly impactful ways to, mm. to put your money forward. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing those resources and we'll be sure to tag them um, as well. Um, but you know, it's heavy living with yeah. the passion to do better and to, and to stand mm -hmm. in our power. And so, yeah. you know, we talk about, you know, with the beauty industry, you know, so much of it is about putting things on. How do you, Melanie, take it all off? How do you practice self-care? Yeah. How do you, how do yeah. you allow yourself to really just, you know, sit and reflect and give you some new time? Yeah. And it is heavy. And there was a moment after Code Red for Climate where I, I literally worked myself into the grind. I was exhausted and it was done. And I looked at what I had accomplished and I couldn't help asking myself, is it even a drop in the ocean when it compares mm. to what needs to be done? And I think those moments are real. Um, and, you know, honestly, how I work through those in part, it's conversations like these, I have been able to connect with 
incredible people within beauty out of this campaign that have meant so much more to me that I could probably adequately put into words because it means sharing something. And, you know, when you can find that connection behind common goals uh, and a common vision for the world, man, it, it can move mountains. Another big thing is my daughter. Honestly, I could have the hardest, crappiest day at work and F up the biggest meeting that I've ever had to do. (laughs) And I can close my computer and she'll look at me like I'm superwoman. And, you know, I think having the the space for both for me is incredibly important. Um, There is a time of day that I shut my computer. I don't look at texts. I don't look at emails. And that is precious to me. And ultimately, I think it it makes me better at what I do, which is like the crazy thing because it, it, um, gets you really focused on the time that you you do have it makes you spend your your human capital very wisely so i think you know investing in people and you know as far as myself i love meditation i discovered meditation you know maybe 10 years ago and it's changed my life tara brock is an incredible meditation leader that i listen to probably every day and yeah my skincare it's probably i'm i'm, I'm probably running with like a 40 step routine <laughs> 40 or zero you know, I counted the amount of products that I traveled with once. This was over COVID and it was 40. Um, it was in the wow. 40s. Granted, it was for a period of a couple months. So I was planning for different seasons. I love my tools. <laughs> I love it. You're yeah. after my own heart. I love it. I, I want a video on that. Like I want a whole oh, step by step. <laughs> It's a lot of Versed and Use the People and Biba. And I love my LED face mask. Got to have a microcurrent device once you get to a current age. <laughs> the rest of it is the, the icing on top. Is there a microcurrent device that you particularly like? Yes, there is. Um, I love Pure Left. And it is right, a similar function so many to notes. New Face. Yeah, <laughs> but it's stronger. It's the one that they use at Face Gym. So when you oh. use it, you can actually see it pulling your muscles because it, it's it's that stronger strength. Um, and, you know, that way you need to use it a little bit less. You get more more bang for your your time out of it. Um, yeah. So I've loved that one. I, yeah. uh, I was really – I was – I was doing really well at my new face. I was doing it every single day and then I fell off. Um, but <laughs> I like the idea. I love the gratification of like seeing yeah. the lift. Right? So. It really works. Yeah. And I got into an LED mask. The Dr. Dennis Gross went over. I think it was over oh, COVID as yeah. well. It's yeah. three minutes. You know, I feel like the results there are less dramatic, but hey, anything that helps in three minutes and especially with tricky things like, uh, you know, sun damage and premature aging, I'll, I'll take whatever I can get. I use this Shawnee Darden sculpting wand and, mm-hmm. and love yes. it for that very reason too. And yeah. it's so, I mean, it really does feel like you're just giving yourself a massage and yeah. it, it is, um, it's incredible. And, and I do find that when I'm consistent with it, the things that I'm trying to sculpt, um, I, I see results. So I do love it so much, but yeah, well, you know, if we're lucky enough to have our tools and our regimen, that is a, a perfect way to take it all off. No, but I love the led mask too, because it's not something you can move around with. So it forces you to literally stop. And I probably do more than I shouldn't. Oh, mask. well, not you. You're really, you keep multitasking. Like <laughs> My son would rip it off my face and take it from me because I'd look too much like a a robot or something (laughs) he's interested in. I I wouldn't even last. It wouldn't last like five minutes on me. He would he would take it. Well, 
So much of what you said, I think, you know, your stance and all of your incredible work comes from a place of hope. But one of our favorite questions to ask our amazing guests is, um, what does make you hopeful? What when when things seem insurmountable with things you're you're dealing with sustainability, climate change, running an entire brand, expanding a brand. Yeah. Um, what kind of keeps you going and what keeps you hopeful? Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's it's quite simply just the beauty of the human spirit. And I have got to share incredible moments with incredible people. Um, and when I say that, you know, verse, we've accomplished more than I would have ever thought possible. That's because of those people that had ideas, had amazing insight and creativity. And that is to me, that is the beauty and the reward of life. And, you know, I think there's also discovering that in yourself. Once you have been through difficult times, challenges, you know, times that broke your heart, you know, I think there's real power that come in, that comes from having picked yourself up, dust yourself off and kept going. And, you know, figuring out what needs to happen and how you're going to get through the next 200 miles is really, really tough. But I'll be damned if you can't figure out the next 20 feet. And that's honestly all you ever have to know, because once you get mm-hmm. there, you see a little mm-hmm. bit further. So I think in times of feeling really, really daunting pressure, you know, just keeping focus on those next few steps ahead. And from there, I'm just continually amazed at the amazing places you can go. Love that. When I get so overwhelmed, my mom just says, just take the next best step. Like, you may not even know yeah, what. Exactly. Sometimes you're so mired and turned upside down, like getting caught in a wave and you don't know what way is up, kind of overwhelmed and you don't even know what that next step is. Like you're like so paralyzed. Yeah. And my mom always says, just take the next best thing you know how to do. Like it doesn't even exactly. have to be necessarily like the most logical one. Just like as long as you're, as long as you remain moving forward, it's... um. Yeah. Even right sizing yourself in a way, like it's still better yeah. than staying where you are. So, yeah, I always love I, that. A hundred percent making the best decision with what you have today. And, you know, at first, um, there's always been things that, man, this didn't go how we thought it would go. Or, gosh, if I had that to do over, I would have probably made a different decision. And I think it's important to learn from those and reflect. But then remember, like, we don't have a rewind button. We need to keep going forward. So also kind of letting go of your own expectations as to what you thought it would be uh, and how you thought it would it would come to to happen. And that frees you up to look at our, this is actually where we are and, and hopefully make that, I love that, make that next, um, next best step. Um, because I think that's really what life is about. Our expectations are are horrible enemies a lot of the time. Um, but in reality, I think when we just look, it's it's actually even better than we expected. Absolutely. Well, tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah. So, um, Versed is on uh, Instagram and TikTok at, at Versed as in to be well-versed. Uh, and I am also on Instagram at also Mel B, um, because I'm not the Spice Girl, <laughs> but uh, the other uh, Mel I B. share the name, uh-huh. <laughs> the other Mel B, exactly. You know, I'm a, a child of the, the yeah. aughts when you, <laughs> when you hear that, um, and love hearing from folks, love getting to, um, to connect with people out there. And just thank you so much for this conversation and, um, and all the, uh, all the wonderful places thank it went. Thank you for being here. Thank We're you. So thank honored you. to have you. Time. Yes. All right. 
This episode was produced by Alexa Machia and Anne-Marie Johnson. The show was edited by Charlotte Council. You can follow us on Instagram at at 13loon and at Melissa Magsaysay and at Nikeo.